uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And it is the greatest nation on God's green earth, despite the fact that there is some grim news around us. It's not just the horrible news about Lahaina, which was a beautiful town of 12,000, and now there are more dimensions to the tragedy than even realized before. It's not just because of the new figures from the Centers for Disease Control. No, no, not about COVID-19, though that's coming back too. It's uh, suicide and the highest suicide rate in American history and up very sharply this year. Why? What is going on with this country? Could this be related to uh, the, the new survey that says that uh, most young people, where the suicide rate has particularly sharply increased, most young people are no longer proud to be Americans? And could that go along with a, um, a song, which is called Rich Men North of Richmond, which is just taking America by storm. And it talks about how the middle class is crushed, how life in America is bleak, and it's hopeless, and it's wretched, and it's miserable. The last lines of the song by Oliver Anthony say, young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Is that what this election is going to be about? Is that what uh, President Trump means when he says that the theme of the election is he is our voice, he is our justice, he is our retribution? Retribution means getting even. And what exactly will Republicans get even for if uh, they actually win uh, this presidential election? There is a um, new report on some of the difficulties facing the Ron DeSantis campaign. Uh, we will be speaking a little bit later to Jonathan Allen, who has been following the various candidates and following the surprisingly strong showing and the surge in support for Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who, uh, again, it's hard to imagine that he wins the nomination, but could he be seriously considered uh, after President Trump has made very positive comments about uh, Dr. Ramaswamy? Uh, is it possible that President Trump uh, would select him as his running mate? Stranger things have happened and probably, probably will. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, we'll also be speaking a little bit later to John Yu, because right now what everyone seems to be obsessed with is the idea that we're not going to have a presidential race with two candidates. We're going to have a presidential race with a series of trials. And I don't mean trials in the sense of trials and tribulations. I mean courtroom drama. Some of it televised because one of the things that they're talking about is that it's very likely that when in Fulton County, Georgia, Fonnie Willis, the uh, district attorney there, uh, 
finishes her work with the grand jury, and it's now expected maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, when there's an announcement of a whole series of new indictments for President Trump and his associates, uh, the indictments uh, for attempting basically to steal an election, which is, uh, by the way, against the law. What's interesting is the trial on the other side for Hunter Biden, which will almost surely implicate his father, that uh, that trial is not really about trying to steal an election. It's basically much more easy for people to understand and to feel repulsed by, which is it's about stealing money. And this uh, brought me back to a moment in history, November 17th, 1973, which I'm writing about right now. And it's uh, that's the moment where President Nixon basically lost his presidency. Why? because he was speaking to 400 Associated Press editors in Orlando, Florida. He was down for some time off in Florida. It's November, okay, it's a good time to go down to the Sunshine State. And he said, the people of America need to know that their president isn't a crook. Well, I am not a crook, which is now in Bartlett's uh, uh, quotations. It is a famous quotation associated with Richard Nixon. If uh, Joe Biden gets in that same situation where it comes out in the trial with Hunter and there will be a trial that he and his close family members were actually taking millions of dollars of ill-gotten gains because they were being funded by some very shady foreign f sources and forces uh, it's it's going to be a disaster for the country, and it's going to be a, certainly a disaster for the Biden campaign. And with all that trial going on with Hunter Biden, we can expect that at least one of the other trials, and they'll likely to be four of them, and it's very possible all four will be before the election, though it's also possible two of them would be after the election. And what happens then? Because if it's part of this Georgia prosecution or if it's part of the New York uh, state prosecution or part of the New York City prosecution, uh, Trump can't pardon himself. Can't. These are the, the president doesn't have that power. And uh, these would be state uh, prosecutions that would continue conceivably even after... Well, after Biden is reelected, if he gets reelected, or if Trump is reelected. Okay, concerning the uh, Hunter trial, there's a, a pretty fair, it seems to me, a view of that Hunter Biden trial and how devastating it would be for President Biden that appeared in the New York Times, which doesn't usually get too tough on Biden. They are now. Uh, they thought it was over, that they could put it in the rearview mirror. All that Hunter Bob Biden had to do was show up in a courtroom, answer a few questions, sign some paperwork, and that would be it. Not that Republicans would let it go, but any real danger would be passed, except it did not work out that way. The criminal investigation that President Joe Biden's advisors believed was all but done has instead been given a new lease on life. 
with the collapse of the plea agreement and the appointment of a special counsel who now might bring the president's son to trial. What had been a painful but relatively contained uh, political scandal that animated mainly partisans on the right could now extend for months, just as the president is gearing up for his re-election campaign. Uh, this time, questions about Hunter Biden's conduct may be harder for the White House to dismiss as politically motivated. They may even break out of the conservative echo chamber to the general public, which has largely not paid as much attention until now. General Merrick Garland's decision to designate uh, David Weiss as special counsel with more independence to run the inquiry means there is still more potential legal peril stemming from Hunter Biden's business dealings with foreign firms. In other words, one of the things, you'll, you'll remember the Monica Lewinsky story with Bill Clinton. Uh, the special prosecutor, Ken Starr, was supposed to be prosecuting Whitewater. But uh, this opens up the possibility for David Weiss to get into all kinds of details, sleazy details about Hunter Biden. Does that matter? Do you think it doesn't? You can give me a call, 1-800-955-1776. On the Michael Medved Show, just speculating about what a Hunter Biden trial would look like. And, uh, again, there are uh, more, more violations that uh, are very possible will be turned up by David Weiss and the Justice Department and by the Republicans who are continuing the investigations of Hunter Biden in Congressional Committee. And uh, a lot of it has to do with taking uh, foreign money and, and allegedly buying influence. And again, it, it is a disaster almost beyond imagining. It's, it's impossible for Joe Biden to win this election if there is proof that he actually personally benefited uh, in terms of receiving money, part of this $20 million that has been fairly well and effectively proven to have been generated by Hunter Biden. And if he particularly did something to help Chinese interests or Ukrainian interests or any other foreign interests while he was vice president of the United States. And it's not just in the four years between his vice presidency and his election as president, uh, because a lot of this uh, allegedly has to do with when Joe Biden held the second highest decision in the country, position in the country. A trial by jury of Hunter Biden's peers would be a spectacle that could prove distracting and embarrassing for the White House. Not just embarrassing, devastating. Uh, this is by Peter Baker, front page story in the New York Times. Uh, while providing more fodder to Republicans. The president's advisors were frustrated as a result and steeled for moments of uh, additional torment, even if they were not alarmed by the prospect of a wider investigation. 
Uh, David Axelrod, who is a senior advisor to President Barack Obama, has also been a sometime advisor to President Biden. Uh, David Axelrod said, after five years of probing Hunter's dealings, it seems unlikely that Weiss will discover much that is new. On the other hand, anything that draws more attention to Hunter's case and extends the story into the campaign year is certainly unwelcome news for the president's team. Uh, that's uh, unquestionably true. Uh, testimony and news accounts have indicated that Hunter Biden traded on his name to make money. This is at the New York Times now. And a former business partner has said his father was aware. But no evidence has emerged as yet that the president personally profited from or used his power to benefit his son's business interests. Uh, a longtime Republican strategist named Douglas High is quoted in this article saying, the decision to raise David Weiss's status to that of a special prosecutor, he says, it shows that there is more than just smoke. It makes it possible to define this now as uh, impossible to define this now as simply a House Republican or MAGA thing. This has to be covered differently now. And as we've learned from other special counsel investigations, where a special counsel starts is not necessarily where it ends up. Because, again, they had a special counsel that was churning away for three years on the Whitewater matter, which was a land investment that Bill and Hillary had done uh, together when they were back in Arkansas, uh, and nothing really there. There were a couple of people who went to jail, but not uh, Bill and Hillary, who were investors in this dubious project. But uh, what happened is that special counsel, uh, who, who eventually was Ken Starr, he wasn't the original special counsel, uh, looked at other things and ended up uh, turning up all, all the evidence on Monica Lewinsky and the president's uh, lying and, and cheating and dirty dog uh, behavior. And uh, so, again, can you imagine if a special counsel is running loose on Hunter Biden how much different material could be brought to public attention, particularly if that trial is televised, as the one in Georgia apparently will be, about President Trump trying to steal the election. The, um, uh, the amazing thing about all of this, for the White House, the Attorney General's Friday afternoon announcement was an unpleasant surprise. And uh, they say uh, a head-snapping reversal from just seven weeks ago when the president's team thought it had turned a corner with Hunter Biden's plea agreement with Weiss uh, to plead guilty to two tax misdemeanors and accept a diversion program to dismiss an unlawful gun felony involving firearms possession. The president is just so stupid on Biden's part. The president made a point of inviting his son who has struggled with a crack cocaine addiction to a high-profile state dinner two days later in uh, what was taken as a spike-the-ball moment declaring victory over the family's pursuers. The fact that Garland was also at the state dinner, hanging out just across an outdoor tent from Hunter Biden, the man his department was supposed to be prosecuting, 
left even some Democrats feeling uncomfortable. Uncomfortable as a mild word. Should be disgusted and alarmed. But any sense of release was premature when Hunter Biden showed up uh, at U.S. District Court in Wilmington on July 26th to finalize the plea deal, and of course it fell apart. Final uh, paragraph here is three-quarters of Republicans believe that the president's son got preferential treatment in the plea deal. How many Democrats? 33% of Democrats thought that Hunter got special treatment in the plea deal. This is according to a poll by Reuters and Ipsos in June. But most voters indicated they thought Biden was being a good father by supporting his son. And uh, there were only 26% who said they were less likely to vote for Biden as a result of Hunter's legal troubles. 26%? They say only? Does anyone expect uh, Biden to win by more than 26%? This is why this is such a, uh, a potential disaster for uh, President Biden. And you see, what I envision is, uh, look, you, you can say that the stuff, the charges involving President Trump about being the first president ever to try to overthrow the results of an election that he lost, uh, that that's a very, very serious matter, and it's more directly associated with him. He was the president while that happened. He was not a vice president. It wasn't his son or a child. So, but there's also the difference between stealing money, which people understand, and uh, some of the political machinations, which they don't. Uh, somebody who does understand them is Jonathan Allen of NBC, who'll be And on the Michael Medved Show, it's January 15th until we get to the Iowa caucuses. But guess what? It's uh, only August 23rd. It's nine days from now. And uh, we have the first presidential primary debate. Uh, the big question about that, will Trump show up? Uh, I'm, I'm sure the other candidates all want him to show up. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they think they'll get more attention if he's not there dominating the proceedings. Uh, to talk about that and to talk about the impact of the Hunter Biden situation and more. Jonathan Allen, uh, NBC uh, reporter on politics par excellence, a best-selling author of the book about the successful Biden campaign, Lucky. Uh, has um, Joe Biden's luck run out with the situation regarding the likely criminal trial of his son, Hunter? Michael, it's certainly not good news for him. At the, you know, at the very uh, best, it, it muddies the water. Uh, you know, political strategists have said to me uh, between what's going on with Donald Trump um, and uh, and Hunter Biden, no matter how you see uh, the way those things split, it does, you know, potentially muddy the water there. And at, at worst, he's looking at a long trial of his son. Um, and, I, you know, I think the, uh, the special counsel, now new special counsel in that case, uh, has a lot of reason. Uh, to uh, to potentially you know sort of 
to pursue this to the ends of the earth. And uh, in a filing last week, even said uh, there may be more charges than there were uh, in the original um, in the original plea agreement that fell apart. Does this create? And I, I hate to ask you this because you you know the inside of the Biden campaign, having covered it uh, for two, 2020. Does this introduce a, a more real possibility that he will not end up being the Democratic nominee, uh, particularly if it turns out that he is personally benefited in any way from Hunter's dealings? You know, any way is such a broad... <laughs> A broad categorization in terms of, um, you know, what the public appetite uh, would be, uh, you know, for for tolerating things. I think, you know, what what I would say is that right now um, there is not a, a foreseeable uh, a foreseeable circumstance in which Joe Biden isn't the Democratic nominee unless he decided for some reason not to seek it. Um, it's just do, do you do you, you know, feel a similar? Do you feel a similar certainty for President Trump, uh, even with a fourth set of indictments coming out from Georgia this week? I don't feel the same uh, the same level of certainty about Trump. There is an active Republican campaign going on, and uh, you know while the polls have Trump up by a huge amount, uh, polls are uh, pardon me uh, polls are are not static. Public opinion is not static, and so. You know, I, I do think that you, you know, have to be willfully blind not to see that Trump is running away with the nomination right now. But there is obviously a much more active effort on the Republican side to deny him that nomination. So that's that's the only reason I, I see it as less of a less of a lock. Um, you know, again, I can't predict the future, but Biden is on a path where there's not a viable alternative to him within the Democratic Party. Uh, so who is the most him. viable alternative on, on the Republican side? I mean, people talk about some momentum for Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, maybe for Tim Scott, maybe for Chris Christie, of all people. Uh, where do you see momentum anywhere other than uh, uh, the Trump train? You know, what I've seen mostly is, is Ron DeSantis fall apart as an alternative. Uh, DeSantis, who at one point... Um, you know, had polls that showed him uh, in key states, you know, somewhat within shouting distance of Trump. You know, if you go back way to the beginning of this year, the end of last year, uh, he's really fallen off a cliff. And I think what you've seen is a couple, some of the other candidates pick up a little bit of, of that support that DeSantis has lost. I mean, you know, Trump has gotten, to, you know, probably most of it. Um, and then you're starting to see little ups, upticks, upsurges from, like you said, today, from a Swami, from uh, Tim Scott. Um, and some of the others, Chris Christie, perhaps, certainly in New Hampshire, Chris Christie seems to be a more appealing candidate than perhaps in Iowa, where he's not really making an effort. Um, I, I think, though, you know, when you look at all these candidates that are getting a little bit of an uptick, they're getting an uptick toward 10 percent, you know, from below 5 percent to somewhere between 5 and 10 percent at, at the national level. Um, that doesn't mean that somebody couldn't catch fire. Obviously, got a big debate coming up uh, next week in Milwaukee, um, and you know, so events like that can can really give uh, give a boost to candidates who do well. But for the for the time being, um, you know, there's really nobody else that's even close to where Trump is. 
You, last time in 2016, uh, Trump uh, was also uh, running strongly, but he ended up losing the uh, Iowa caucuses to uh, uh, Ted Cruz. And uh, do you think his campaign survives if he finishes second or third in Iowa? I think his campaign does survive if he finishes second or third in Iowa. Uh, but I do, but I do believe if somebody beats him there, um, that person becomes the uh, instantly most popular alternative to him. And then the, what they've got to do is try to sustain that through uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada, um, and you know try to get it to a one-on-one -on -one race with Trump. Uh, hope to be able to outraise him. Trump has had significant problems with his fundraising, in part because. Uh, you know, his, his pack that funds legal fees is, uh, you know, putting out a lot more money than it's taking in. I mean, I, you know, it's it's funny. What, you know, it's, it's it's humorous at one level, but, I mean, this is somebody who's who's really showing that he's having a hard time raising money. Um, ne so next good, Wednesday, next Wednesday is that is the debate, Jonathan Allen. And uh, so here's a question. Who drops out, do you think, on Thursday or better how many drop out on Thursday, day after the debate? Um, you know, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm not sure that any will drop out the day after the debate. Um, there are certainly some candidates who really have not gotten traction so far. Um, and, you know, the, the, I think the big question for a lot of them will be, are they able to meet the threshold for the second debate? The RNC put out rules about polling and about, how many donors you have to have to get into the debate. Not everybody's been able to meet those thresholds. Um, I think, you know, for a candidate who makes the first threshold and can't make the second, the, uh, the writing's probably on the wall. Um, but, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's possible some candidates will drop out soon after the debate. I think we'll just have to see who, who does what in that debate. Yes, it, it, it does indeed. Per, just personally, because you've gotten to know these people, uh, whose performance uh, do you look forward to most? I mean, uh, I will confess, Chris Christie seems to me to be a pretty entertaining uh, partic potential participant there. I don't think there's any question about that, Michael. I think you hit the, the nail on the head in terms of Chris Christie being somebody who's very good uh, at feeling comfortable in his own skin uh, on a public stage, on a big stage, on a debate stage. Um, somebody who's clearly going to deliver some shots, certainly to former President Trump, but also to Ron DeSantis and maybe some of the other candidates on stage. Like, you know, Christie's got sort of one gear um, and it's and it's punching. So uh, I think you can expect for him to mix it up a little bit. Uh, well, we, we do. And we expect great and insightful coverage, uh, as always, from Jonathan Allen of NBC, the best-selling author of Lucky, which tells the story of the um, uh, freakish good luck that uh, allowed Joe Biden to actually win the last campaign, the campaign of 2020. Uh, meanwhile, uh, more about the upcoming announcement of the big case in Georgia. And why is that particularly significant or menacing toward President Trump. We will get to that and more coming up.
And on the Michael Medved show, uh, nobody knows exactly when they're going to hand down the uh, latest set of indictments for President Trump. And this is not going to be just for President Trump. There will be uh, other members of an alleged conspiracy, and it's a conspiracy that falls under the RICO statute in Georgia. Uh, RICO stands for Racketeering, Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations. And we've had a federal RICO law to try to uh, cut back on mafia activity. It was passed in 1970. So you're talking about more than a half century ago. And um, Willis, Fonnie Willis of Fulton County District Attorney is expected to present her case to a grand jury early this week could be today two potential witnesses including a former georgia lieutenant governor said they were asked to appear on tuesday uh, that lieutenant governor is uh, jeff duncan and uh, aside from spelling his name wrong <laughs> president president trump uh goes after him in his uh, truth social of the day uh, and we can, I think, designate this as our tweet of the day. Turn the page now to the Internet. I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked. I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him. So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by. Tweet alert. Okay, the uh, truth from President Trump uh, that posted on Truth Social, his own website. I am reading reports that failed former Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, Jeff Duncan, will be testifying before the Fulton County Grand Jury. I don't know why he's failed. He decided not to run for re-election, but in any event, he described as failed as by Donald Trump. He shouldn't testify. I barely know him, but he was right from the beginning of this witch hunt, a nasty disaster for those looking into the election fraud that took place in Georgia. He refused having a special session to find out what went on, became very unpopular with Republicans. I refused to endorse him, exclamation point, and fought the truth, truth capitalized all the way. A loser. He went to FNCNN, and I think that means Fox News, CNN, because they're both fake news organizations in uh, the mind of President Trump. That would be one of the reasons he wouldn't show up at the debate, because the debate is going to be moderated by Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, and uh, it's a big event for Fox News. And... Um, in any event, the idea that Jeff Duncan is a loser, he's actually a dynamic and charismatic and rising politician. He's a member of the Georgia legislature. He won a very close primary in the runoff uh, to be lieutenant governor of Georgia back in 2018, which, by the way, was a terrible year for Trump. That was the year he lost 43 seats in the House of Representatives. Um, but... Uh, Jeff Duncan then went on, and he was one of those people in Georgia, along with uh, Governor Brian Kemp, who basically recognized and regretted 
the fact that uh, that Biden had won the state. And uh, the idea that he is testifying before the Fulton County Grand Jury, uh, we will see. Uh, by the way, Jeff Duncan uh, was a professional baseball player. He was in the Miami Marlins organization. He actually got up to AAA rating, and uh, then he, he threw out his arm, apparently, and he couldn't continue, but he played four years in pro ball. Um, which, uh, again, is something he has in common. Well, not Pro Bowl, but uh, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, is was a better baseball player than he is presidential candidate and better governor of Florida than he is presidential candidate. He, um, uh, CNN reported on DeSantis at the Iowa State Fair, and it's pretty amusing video they show video of a small plane with a very large banner and the banner flew right overhead and sort of buzzing around where uh, Ron DeSantis was flipping pork chops and doing other Iowa State Fair kinds of things and the message it had behind it was a banner that said be likable Ron exclamation point Here's the report from CNN. Huh? As DeSantis is sitting there speaking with Governor Reynolds, up above we can hear a plane flying, and that plane is pulling a banner. That banner says, if you can take a look, it says, be likable Ron. So someone, we don't know uh, who is paying for this, but taking a dig at Ron DeSantis, foreshadowing Donald Trump's arrival. He okay, um, and meanwhile, Ed, Ron DeSantis was asked sort of the inevitable question that presidential candidates get, which is, why are you running? Why should you be president? And this is clip eight uh, here's the answer that he provided. Listen. Well, I was somebody that I was a blue collar kid growing up. I worked minimum wage jobs to try to be able to get myself through school, put myself in a position to succeed. And I, and I did that and I had an opportunity to start making, uh, you know, good income. And then 9-11 happened and I decided that, um, you know, I needed to step up and serve in uniform and, you know, whatever I could do to be able to help at a time of war, I wanted to do that. So we did. And I think what it shows, it, what I've done since then is, you know, I just believe in service over self. Uh, I believe if you have an opportunity uh, to do good things for your community or your country, uh, that, you have a, that you have a responsibility to do that and to get that done. And so that's really, I think, you know, uh, influenced me all the way up to the present in terms of what I'm looking to do. Like with running for president, I'm not running to be somebody. I'm running to do things on behalf of the country and for the American people. It's not about me. I'm the vessel. I'm the leader. But it's really about doing right by the folks. Okay. Uh, a, a decent and obviously fluid answer. And, of course, what you think about here is Ted Kennedy who was heavily favored to beat Jimmy Carter with his challenge to Carter's presidency in 1980. And uh, he torpedoed his own campaign when he was being interviewed by Roger Mudd of CBS. And he could not answer the same question that you just heard 
Ron DeSantis answering fairly effectively. Uh, this is why DeSantis, don't write him off entirely yet. He's, he's no Ted Kennedy. Uh, this is clip 20. Why do you want to be president? Well, I'm, uh, were I to, to make the, uh, the announcement and uh, to run, the reasons that I would run is because I have a great belief in this country that it is as more natural resources than any nation of the world, as the greatest educated population in the world, the greatest technology of any country in the world, uh, the greatest capacity for innovation in the world, and the greatest political system in the world. And yet uh, I see at uh, the current time that uh, most of the industrial nations of the world are exceeding us in terms of productivity, are doing better than us in terms of meeting the problems of inflation, that they're dealing with their problems of energy and their problems of unemployment. And it just seems to me that uh, this nation can cope and deal with its problems in a way that it has in the past. We're facing complex issues and problems in this nation at this time, but we have faced similar challenges at other times. And the energies and the resourcefulness of this nation, I think, should be focused on these problems in a way that brings a sense of uh, restoration uh, in this country by its people to, in dealing with the problems that we face, primarily the issues on the economy, the problems of inflation, and the problems of um, uh, energy. Uh, okay. He was struggling, and uh, his campaign ended up being one of the biggest disappointments in American political history. So what about the impact of all of the trials, the trials involving President Trump, the trials involving President Biden, and particularly his son Hunter? We'll get a perspective on that from Professor John Yu, one of the leading conservative political scholars in the country, 